excuse the little delay there, listeners. I'm just patching through our first guest for this morning. Welcome to Subject ACT. I'm Nathan Googler, and we're going to be talking about marriage equality and religion, particularly when your religion informs you to support marriage equality. And first, we have Natalie Cooper, who's co-chair of Equal Voices. Natalie, are you there? I am. I am, Nathan. Good morning. Excellent. Thank you. How are you? How are you this morning? I'm well, yeah. Looking forward to another happy Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Who knows what the uh, political landscape will uh, throw up this time. Uh, So, uh, Natalie, uh, can you, uh, first off, uh, inform the listener of what Equal Voices uh, exactly is? So Equal Voices is a non-denominational or cross-denominational grassroots movement of Christians. Uh, We are a group of Christians who are both LGBTIQ and allies. And we formed last year um, out of the conviction that allies have to do a lot more in standing up against homophobia and transphobia in the church. Mm. So our mission is to work for the full inclusion and equality of LGBTIQ people, um, not just in the church, but outside the church as well. But really um, looking at some of the issues that we see in the church where um, where LGBTI people are either excluded or, or made invisible. Um, and on your website, there was this um, uh, really interesting page uh, talking about an apology on behalf of the church. Can you talk a little bit about that? So we are um, convicted of the fact that Christians need to apologise for the tremendous harm that has been and continues to be done to LGBTIQ people. And we we believe that we need to apologise, um, first of all, to actually recognise the harm done. So the apology is written in such a way that it actually steps people through um, through the top the kinds of things that we do and continue to do that hurt people. Um, and that we actually cannot move to a place of making amends. And when I say make amends, that, that, that's, a, that's a really long, hard process. It's not just, oh, we've apologised, it's all over. Um, but we can't actually move to address the harm that's been done and to stop it until we actually apologise to people. You can't, you can't move with a relationship and, 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 and work to undo the harm that's been done without apologising and recognising and owning up to what you've done first. Mm. And when we're hoping that that in making this apology and promoting this apology amongst Christians that we will actually raise awareness of what's being done. I think that um, in large part um, the Christian church has done things deliberately to people and sometimes people unknowingly participate in harm without realising what they're doing simply because they're just repeating words and patterns that they see mm. amongst them and don't even recognise what they're doing, although obviously um, a lot of it is done intentionally. Mm. Um, so um, I guess one of the, um, I don't know, one of the myths, so to say, is that um, the Christian church broadly is kind of united on this issue, but... Um, uh, kind of looking into some research, some uh, denominations have been pretty uh, progressive on this issue, like the Quakers, for instance, are more or less uh, behind same-sex marriage uh, and have been for a while. And also um, the Anglican Church has been, for at least a decade, they've been, um, had, have been almost like 50-50 split on this. There is a great deal of a split on this, and you're right in that the 
the voices of it often put out there um, by certain Christian voices mm. that this is this is how this is this is the Christian view on it. Um, there are certain lobby groups that will say this is the Christian voice right. or a Christian voice, and it is a voice. There are there are denominations that are fully supportive of marriage equality. There are others. Um, you mentioned the Anglican Church, and there's a great deal of split. So in in Perth and in Brisbane and in Melbourne, you'll have um, in South Australia a number of churches in the Anglican um, denomination that are very supportive of equality. And then, of course, you have you know other. I'm in Sydney, and the, the Sydney Anglican Diocese is very much against same-sex marriage. Mm. Um, but even in the Sydney Anglican Church, there's a lot of split. There are there are affirming churches in Sydney, um, and they find them their voice um, does tend to get excluded quite a bit. But so there is there is a lot of a lot of um, difference of opinion amongst Christians on on the issue of marriage equality. Um, and having said that, there are some Christians who say, well. I believe that my faith tells me one thing, and so in the church, this should be our point of view, but they can support civil marriage mm, yeah. for same-sex couples. Right. Um, that's kind of uh, one of the quotes that keeps ringing in my mind is, um, give what to Caesar is Caesar's and give to Jesus, what, oh, give to the Lord what's uh, the Lord. So mm. I would have thought that there'd be more of an abstention sort of um uh, opinion amongst more conservative Christians, but it doesn't seem to uh, be that way. It doesn't. It, it doesn't seem to be that way, and I think that is because, I mean, the, the way I see it um, is that the church, by which I mean the conservative um, churches, mm-hmm. will say we have to hold fast on this because if we lose this, then you know. Then where does it go to from, yeah, from here? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that is because the Christian Church has seen certain um, key issues in the Bible um, that you know that science has actually disproved a lot of the, the way that we read the Bible yeah. um, on a number of other issues. And I say we have to hold fast on this other because this is the last thing left. And you're talking I mean, about the last thing left. You're talking about a more uh, broad crisis within uh, all religions uh, facing up to uh, the uh, discoveries of modernity and mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, the fundament- fundamentalism that's emerged from that and also uh, the more liberal theologies that are coming from that that get attacked by the fundamentalists as uh, inauthentic and uh, uh, really not believing anything, so to speak. That, that, that's absolutely right, Nathan. And what you see is as... as as modern science and as modern knowledge, um, I, I guess um, I shouldn't say disproves, but but makes the church, you know, face up to the fact that we actually need to look at things in a different light. Mm. The fundamentalist branch of the church is becoming more and more entrenched and more and more um, influential in opposed. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and, yeah. and and influential way beyond the numbers of people who actually belong to fundamentalist denominations and churches. Mm. So their voice is in great, um, it's great and disproportionate mm. to the number of people who actually adhere to that view. I just think for instance... Unfortunately, it also tends to become the voice that, that is heard um, in the media as being the Christian voice. Mm. I was just going to say, I think, for instance, um, Catholics uh, resorting to Scripture for defence, whereas uh, the relation to Scripture in Catholicism is not as tightly knit as the Protestant uh, streams of uh, Christianity. I, I think I've got that right. Um, yeah. But, um, uh, Natalie, I was going to ask, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there have uh, a Christian friend who... Uh, 
because they're trying to hold on to their faith and are fair enough to that, but um, have to uh, believe that they have to um, subscribe to the ideas of uh, homosexuality being a sin and uh, and the like. Um, what what are some ways uh, that uh, we can talk to Christians about uh, a new way of seeing their faith uh, that is supportive of LGBTI rights? One thing I would remind, um, what I would like to remind my Christian brothers and sisters, and mm. certainly where we can begin the conversation, is if we're looking at the issue of marriage, that we're talking about a civil right. Marriage is a matter for the state. Even religious ministers, when they perform the marriage um, service for a couple, will say, by the power invested in me by the state of. So even there we are acknowledging the fact that, that marriage is a civil matter. And I believe that we, we cannot, as Christians, ask to impose Christian values on society and then expect freedom to practice our religion without interference by the state. Mm-hmm. And I find it quite ironic that certain um, voices within um, the denomination, um, for example, here in Sydney in the Anglican Church, mm. will speak about, you know, we need freedom of religion. Mm. Um, but we can't actually impose... If, if we're going to ask to impose our views and our values on society, we can't then expect the freedom in return. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I would actually say that freedom of religion demands marriage equality because we are recognising that it is a civil... It is a civil matter. Mm. Um, for those Christians who are still um, not convinced, I would say that you know certainly within the church we have freedom to practice our religion as our denomination demands. There are in fact many Christian churches that would like to marry same-sex couples. Mm. Mm. And when I say same-sex, I mean any um, you know marriage equality. Of course, it includes our transgender and our, our, our intersex siblings yeah. um, yeah. as well. Um, so, in denying those churches the um, the ability to perform a mm. marriage mm. for those couples, we are actually denying them the freedom of religion. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, would, I would even sort of you know look at the words of, of David Cameron when he um, when he voted for you know equality in the UK. He said, "I support marriage not because." Well, not in spite of being a conservative, but because I am a conservative. Mm, yeah, yeah. And the conservative values around stability and fidelity, around um, mutuality, faithfulness, lifelong commitment, they are Christian values. Mm. And it is good for for marriage and it is good for society to encourage more couples to to be supported in um, in relationships where, where that is the case. I think that the... Any, any, any committed couple, regardless of whether they have same sex or opposite sex, regardless of whether they have children or not, committed, supported couples, um, contribute to the, the strengthening of, of families and society. That doesn't mean everybody has to be in a couple in order to be, you know, contributing and, 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 and helping society. But, but that level of commitment, I mean, we all do better when we're supported by somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, what we, we all do, you know, whether that be a partner or whether that be family, whether that be friends, um, when we have a society that actually supports and values people in committed relationships, it actually contributes to society. They are Christian values. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the good of our overall community, you know, we have to value everybody equally. We are all 
um, worthy of equality and equal dignity, mm. they are Christians, that is. Um, do you think that the the notion that homosexuality is a sin is still a prime motivator in uh, a lot of Christians opposing uh, marriage equality? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think, I think there are I think there are a number of issues, but that is, you know, they say well we we cannot we cannot support um, same sex marriage or gay marriage as they would say because you know we are then you know supporting a in bracket you know, in vertical lifestyle that we disagree with. Yeah. I mean. So so yeah, and it's kind of based on a, a an old essentially unscientific notion of what homosexual sexuality is and those sorts of um sexual ethics developed when homosexuality was understood as some sort of, um, uh, I don't know, libidinous, so to speak. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, obviously we know different now. We do. Well, we should know differently yeah, now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, some parts of the church don't. Mm, um, there, mm. is, there is still a very, yeah, you're right, there is still a very outdated notion of what, well, I don't think the church understands sexuality as a whole. Mm. doesn't understand sexuality, let alone anything that's not heterosexual. Mm. Um, but there is a very outdated notion of what homosexuality is. Um, I think most Christians now realise that sexuality is not a choice. Mm-hmm. But there is still, um, although some still do, there, there, there is still not a great deal of understanding that it's um, you know, simply a different inborn sexual orientation. It is not um, you know, neither homosexuality nor heterosexuality um, in and of themselves are either bad nor good. Um, they're simply sexual variations between people. Um, it's how you behave that that really matters. Um, you know, do you treat your partner with respect, with love, with faithfulness? Um, you know, do you support them? Are, you know, are you good to them? They mm. are what count, not not whether you are. Um, whether your partner is of the same or opposite sex yourself. Natalie, we're going to have to move on to our next guest. I've been speaking with Natalie Cooper, co-chair of Equal Voices, a cross-denominational Christian group group advocating the uh, rights of LGBTI folk. Natalie, great speaking to you. Thank you very much, Nathan. We're going to play a little bit of Weeping Willows and then we'll have our next guest on the line. Welcome back to Subject ACT, dear listener. We're talking equal, uh, marriage equality and religion today, and I have someone from Muslims for Progressive Values, Mina Zaki, on the line. Mina, are you there? Are you there? Okay. There yes, we go. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm talking to Mina Zaki from Muslims for Progressive Values. Uh, Mina, uh, firstly, what is Muslim with Muslims for Progressive Values? Um, Nathan, Muslims for Progressive Values is a community organization. Uh, we're a grassroots community organization um, that brings together progressive Muslims to advocate for human rights, um, social rights, environmental rights. Um, basically, you know, our main aim is to challenge stereotypes of um, Islams and Muslim, Islam and Muslims in, um, in Australia. Um, and we do that through our outreach initiatives. Um, we run programs nationally like the Meet a Muslim um, Initiative, which, you know, is a, is a, an event where anyone can attend and basically ask any question they wish to of Muslims. And uh, we do our best to try and answer those. So um, one of the myths 
I well, I learned yesterday about um, to do with the relationship between LGBTI rights and Islam is that um, the Ottoman Empire actually decriminalised homosexuality back in the mid 1800s, which is way before anyone else, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, um, uh, homosexuality has been within Islam. You know, it's not. It's something that outdates Islam. Basically, it's something that outdates most of our faiths, um, and it has played a, a role in Islam. It, it it's always been prevalent. Uh, it just it's never been. I mean, it was um, decriminalized in the by the Ottoman Empire, but even in countries where it hasn't been decriminalised, it doesn't mean that there's no, you know, homosexuality in those mm, countries. Mm, now, I suppose um, people, you know, I mean, I, I, I come from uh, an Afghan background and in Afghanistan, homosexuality is very prevalent. However, that's not what they call it. Um, it goes by several other names. Right. So as not to be homosexuality, whereas... That's what it is, and in fact, sadly, in Afghanistan, um, you know, there, there are other other forms taken which um, which could be prevented preventable um, if homosexuality was accepted. But they, these are societies which have so many other problems as well, mm-hmm. which I suppose homosexuality. For, I mean, in Afghanistan, you know, uh, the the practice of um, bachabozi is being um, is being um, uh, looked at now, whereas before it was just it was it was very prevalent and no one was doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas homosexuality itself was a sin, so two consenting adults uh, was against the law, but yet pedophilia of young boys was not. So, you know, there are there are issues that most Muslim communities or countries um, need to look at and work out. Mm. Um, I was just interested in the importance of marriage in Islam because I know in the Catholic Church, for instance, it's considered uh, a sacrament, so to speak, like a, a rite of passage almost. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in Islam, it's, it's very similar. It, the Quran talks about, you know, and encourages the formation of a contract between two people um, to, you know, to the exclusion of others. And, and um, basically, it, you know, there is, it, marriage does have an important place in Islam and a contract must be formed between two people in order for them to enter a relationship. Um, that's to prevent, uh, you, same thing with any other religion, I suppose, um, to prevent, uh, you know, uh, I suppose extramarital sex and and things like that. So the the concept of a contract of marriage is very important in Islam. So uh, looking at the uh, MPV website, uh, one of the I guess the main uh, battlegrounds, so to speak, of uh, LGBT rights in Islam is over the interpretation of the Quran. Can you talk a little bit about um, I guess the more uh, uh, traditional quote-unquote interpretations versus uh, modern her- hermeneutics? Uh, sure. I'm no expert at no, all. No. Um, I do call myself a lay Muslim because right. I, I, I'm no scholar in, in any uh, way, shape or form. Um, but, yeah, the, as with anything, uh, it, the Quran is open to interpretation and 
uh, discourse is encouraged. Now, unfortunately, some groups will say, no, this, this, is, this is the correct interpretation and that's what we're going to run with. Anyone that goes against this interpretation is not right. And um, that's what we've been seeing with the LGBT, um, pro-LGBT, I suppose, interpretations. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it is open to interpretation. Mm. And sadly, the group of people who interpreted in one certain way and imposed that interpretation on or tried to impro- impose it on everybody else, um, they do, they do uh, have the loudest voices and that's what most people assume is Islam, mm. whereas there are, there are lots of different types of Muslims. We have uh, actually got a campaign. Uh, it's called Ways to be Muslim, and um, it just highlights uh, the fact that there are over 1.6 billion Muslims in the world. And, mm. you know, you're not going to get all the same types. It's not a... Um, uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not a faith that's. Uh, I suppose X Y Z for 1.6 billion people. Mm. It's I, not a monolith, in other words. Yeah, I, I just wanted to dig a bit more into it because I'm, I'm trying to understand. So um, the Bible's understood as written by uh, mortal men, uh, inspired by God, whereas the Quran's understood as the word of God. And yet there was talking about. Um, trying to uh, contextualise the document historically. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, just how that works? Sure. Again, not an expert, so I will just um, share with you my own uh, basic uh, knowledge, Hmm. and that is that um, Muslims actually don't just believe in the Quran. We we do believe in the Psalms and the Gospel Mm -hmm. and the the Torah and then the Quran. the Quran, we believe, is the last word of, of God, and um, it came to Muhammad. It was revealed to Muhammad through the uh, angel Gabriel, and um, we believe that it is the word of God, mm-hmm. and that um, you know it, it's it, it's not it's not man-made necessarily. Um, hadith, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of contention on the words and practices of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him, and uh, that is something, it's a, it's a bit of a contentious subject amongst Muslims even, where the authenticity of hadith is always, you know, or is always being questioned. Right. There are a few, couple of strands which are, are more widely accepted, um, but still, you know, uh, hadith being the, the words of uh, the Prophet Muhammad and, and his practices, uh, you know, they, they're contested. Uh, yet the Quran, words in the Quran, not so much. Interpretation-wise, yes, but um, I don't think any, any Muslim argues, I uh, may be wrong, but I don't think any Muslim argues that the Quran is not the word of God. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it's good as well to uh, realise, uh, really with all religions, that um, these texts aren't static and they're always... Um, in a way, they're always being written, rewritten by those who are who are around them and interpreting them in different ways. And uh, on that note, mm-hmm. um, I was wondering what you would say are the good Islamic Quranic grounds for supporting marriage equality. Sure. Well, um, as you're aware, Muslims for Progressive Values did issue a statement in support of marriage equality yep. um, to 
to the um, Australian Marriage Equality Campaign. Um, and the reason we did that is because we believe that this isn't about, you know, homosexuality in Islam. This is not about the concept of marriage in Islam. This is about justice in Australia, a secular society where a majority has one set of rights and a minority has another set of rights. Um, and we believe that that is unfair. Uh, so we we approached it from a justice perspective. Um, you know, the Quran is very big on egalitarianism and, and justice and mercy and compassion. And we believe that anything that goes against the basic teachings of Islam being um, mercy, compassion uh, and egalitarianism, uh, yet we believe that that is against Islam. And so therefore... Um, this unfairness that the LGBT community is faced with where their civil unions are not recognised nationally, they don't have the same rights as uh, other Australians, uh, we believe that that is unjust and so that's, that's how you know, we, we can bring ourselves to support it as, as a whole. Um, now, a lot of people out there, a lot of Muslims, a lot of other people of faith, um, Think of this, look at this, and, and think that, you know, uh, they're supporting homosexuality through this. And that's that's fine, they can think that, but I guess um, the message is being lost. This has nothing to do with faith. It has something to do with rights for all citizens mm. under a secular system mm. um, and their civil union rights. No one is forcing any religion to carry out, you know, religious ceremonies. Mm. Um, of marriage. I was just quickly, we're quickly running out of time, but I was going to ask, do you have similar frustrations with um, certain voices which seem to get more of the airways? I'm thinking of the National Imam Council recently came out and said uh, marriage is between a man and a woman and uh, that shouldn't be changed. It's very similar to uh, progressive Christian groups trying to uh, uh, cut through the fog of uh, bigger Christian voices against marriage equality. Yes, it's exactly the same. It's you know we actually work very closely with other religious organisations, uh, mostly progressive organisations, um, and we all face the same challenges. Mm. Unfortunately, um, there are voices that are much louder than than ours, and um, we've just got to we've just got to do what we've got to do. And mm. you know, I personally believe in a in a quote from uh, Gandhi, which says, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. And, mm. And so that's what we're doing. And um, I'm not too sure whether you've read our statement, but in that we've uh, we've quoted the Quran. Um, and know, uh, people about... can get a hold of that. They can find that on the MPV website. Sorry, Mika, we're out of time. I'm spe I've been speaking to sure. Mika Zaki of Muslims for Progressive Values. You can find this episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, or uh, Facebook. Thank you, Mika. All right. Thanks, Mika.